You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3 AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon, where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience. The validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. Gentlemen, boys, cheers. What's up, my kings and queens? (laughs) (laughs) How's everyone doing? Welcome to the 3 a.m. podcast, kings. My name is Charlie. My name is Sean. My queens. (laughs) And that's DJ. My name is DJ. Just a group of friends, tell scary stories, and other nonsense. And have fun doing it. Hopefully. We try. Uh, Thanks for listening in to this week, episode 54. We're excited to have you. Uh, We're excited to have Charles back. Yay. We miss Charles. So, shout out everyone who sent nice words, things like that. I appreciate it. Housekeeping. I'm talking to the artist, Made Ceramics, who made these, and they are in works for making a whole bunch more. So, for everyone who wanted to get a mug, that should be coming in coming months. Get those limited edition. And it will be very limited. (laughs) (laughs) Like... I think like 20, Three. 20 or 30. Oh. oh, dope. Yeah. Has she already started? I believe so, yeah. Woo. Okay. So as soon as we can figure that all out, they'll be up on our store. Sick. Dope. I'm excited. I'm generally, generally, genuinely <laughs> happy. Big difference between generally happy yeah. and genuinely I'm like happy. always really like, happy. <laughs> generally okay with it. <laughs> Sometimes not so much. <laughs> So my kings, I was lit. <laughs> Dude, I want to. I like that. Let's steal it. All right. So my kings, um, I was listening to episode two 
of our own podcast. Yes, I was listening to our own <laughs> podcast. Bruh. But I was doing it because I needed to hear it first so I could write like a description mm. so we could post it to our Patreon. Yeah. Shout out all of our patrons. Bonus content. 3 a.m. pod if you want to go listen. But we have grown a lot since episode two. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting in that self-aware space right now. Yeah. And what are your findings? How so? So before, I mean, it was just a free-for-all, dude. It was like, we would start a story, we'd leave that hold, story. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, real quick, I'm going to pause that. Just like we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 just, yeah. So we haven't grown, <laughs> never mind, take it back. <laughs> we would start by saying, so does anyone have a story? So <laughs> does, does anyone have a story tonight? Just like we weren't, we didn't know who was going to have a story, even though we all had one. Yeah. <laughs> There was a time where we didn't roll dice to see who would go first. It was just like, who feels compelled? <laughs> like, is anybody down to, like, share something? Power Any, of Christ compels Yeah. So, anyway, no. <laughs> so, like I was saying, uh, we would start here, and you would re- be starting a story, and we'd go on 800 different side tangents. <laughs> to the point where, like, I was like, I don't even remember what the hell we're talking about anymore. And then, like, you'd come back to the story, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's what we're talking about. So... Just interesting. I was just noticing we do a lot better at yielding and letting other people finish thoughts, things like that. Nice. But it's fun and, and it's cool to like actually see visually and sonically that we're doing better. And that's better for all of you too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially um, visually, what we've been trying to do. Ooh. Hmm. Rebrand the feed, which you likely follow us on Instagram. Should we talk about it? Sure. All right, so this might be a complete waste of time for some of you, but some of you might be interested. DJ Sean and I have always had a pretty strong vision of what we wanted our brand, our, what we wanted 3AM to look like and feel like. And I've always had like a vision of like a dusty, abandoned hospital basement where like an old from 1989 computer flicks on in like an analog, you know what I'm saying, with uh, floppy disks and everything. And for some reason, that era is just really attracted to us. <laughs> and DJ are in this kick of like, when we design, it's everything. It's like to make everything look worse. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. You might. <laughs> I don't know how to say it either. It's like destructive creation. I don't know. Just destructive I think editing. Mo- even before that, it's more. At least Charles and I would coming from a design background and art backgrounds, we have a strong sense of what we like. And there's a lot of sources that we pull from, like that 80s VHS aesthetic. We've been getting into like old, what do you call it? Orthodox. uh, Renaissance? Yeah, Renaissance, Christianity, medieval times. Painting. Paintings and artwork and I don't know. Symbols, symbology, things like that. Yeah, and all of that, we're trying to draw a line from there to the podcast. Well, we like take the Renaissance, the old Christian art, and then like filter it through like a digital analog age. Do you know what I mean? Like (laughs) old Atari graphics, 8-bit sound, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, cassettes and VHSs, all that stuff like heavily influences our aesthetic. I don't know why we like that. Like, even if you look at our recent episode announcements, we've been doing Polaroids, which isn't, obviously, it's not new. But even, like, people have been getting into Polaroids more, just, like, 
people are getting into vinyl records more. Mm. Um, but even like down to like, you see the writing on the Polaroids. Mm. It looks like a ballpoint pen, you yep. know? Yep. It's like we're trying to look not polished. Polished, but it takes. But that's Im- the. It takes so much work to look. Like <laughs> Make it look like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's, like the, DJ will design something. He'll spend hours on it, and I'll look at it and be like, "Hmm, like add dust." Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like <laughs> noise. Make that or, blurrier. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. Is there any way we can make this look worse yeah. to make it look better? I don't know. It's destructive creation. Yep. But anyway, so yeah, it's been exciting. Uh, obviously, we had a lot of plans that were disrupted by, I don't know, like this bat or something. But <laughs> it's like we're we're figuring things out and getting back on track. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This summer will be exciting. Yeah. For us, for you listeners, for the whole 3 a.m. family, for all our spooky go- spooky kings and queens out there. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good on that. That's it for housekeeping. We have any questions? Okay, if you guys have any questions, you can add to this, but I have one here. What is the most impressive thing that you know how to do? <laughs> Dude, I can rip fat clouds without a vape. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, that's impressive, bro. Explain yourself, dude. Uh, Everyone in elementary school, I don't know who started it, but figured out a way to pressurize the air in your mouth and you blow it out and it comes out as smoke. Yep. So that's like my one weird party trick or whatever. Well, let's see it, brother. Brother, no, y'all, you all have seen it, you already know. So, oh, yeah, plus, yeah, everyone yeah. here is listening, so it don't matter. <laughs> um, it's weird to me when people talk don't about disrespect our YouTube okay. out there. <laughs> I'll say real quick, I think it's weird when people talk about uh party tricks. Mm-hmm. Like, what what party is, do you everyone, ever do, is everyone doing their tricks? Yeah. <laughs> You're up, yeah. I've never been to a party That's where it's true, like, dude. here's my weird hand thing. <laughs> uh, impressive. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I was like, I don't really get impressed about myself for much things except for I can put away food. And that's that impressive to me sometimes. I'm like, damn, I'm truth. like, so, so much food in me right now, bro. What, why don't we say nice things about each other? Bro, <laughs> I legit I legit was going to say, oh, damn, we should bro. go through and talk about each other's strengths and weaknesses. Okay, and well, weaknesses. What's the most impressive thing that Sean can do? We've talked about before his internet movie database <laughs> in his mind. Sean can visit a place once uh, yeah, and then true. know exactly how to get back, no matter how like complex it is to get there. Yeah. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. He has a really strong sense of orientation. Mm-hmm. He got his uh, orientation merit badge. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Or my mom did. Oh well, shout out, mom. Yeah, yeah. She, she knows how up. to get nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she had you, so yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. Were you there when I was saying that uh, I was the accident child in our family? <laughs> <laughs> no, were you saying that? Dog, around, me too, bro. Because, because <laughs> like I'm one year apart from my older brother, and then all the rest of us are two years. So it's like they weren't, they weren't planning. planning it, dude. It's pretty obvious to me. Were you telling that to your parents? No, but I will. Oh, you know, my gosh. Called them out of their beat. <laughs> <laughs> so Sean has direction. Sean has a movie database. And I, I'm going to take what he said, though. 
the amount of food Sean could put away is impressive and terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> like we went to a Black Bear Diner. If you've ever been there, whatever. Uh, but think of <laughs> think of one entree from Black Bear Diner. It is a massive plate mm. with like toast, beans, salad, like sixty sides and two main things on there. It's like a a step or two above Denny's. Same kind of food, right? Like yeah, brunch kind of mm-hmm. kind of food, but and, but they give more, like quantity and quality is more. And Sean ordered not one, not two. But three entrees and <laughs> finished. And a dessert. Dude. <laughs> also, if you're in the Utah area and you've ever ordered a chip or crumble, you know they huge cookies. One cookie's the size of a Big Mac. <laughs> and a box comes with four of those. Sean and- regularly orders a box and eats all four by himself. Me, this Polynesian dude, <laughs> or wannabe. <laughs> Wanna Venetian? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wananesian, <laughs> from what I'm about to tell you, uh, can eat a half and get sick. <laughs> I just, I don't have self-control. That's what it is. It's like, it's there. I have to eat it. But like also, if you competed, actually you have competed in a food and you won. Yeah. You won first Sean place. Sean did win. Um, he won $100 for that. In a gift card. In a gift card. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell, tell the story. Yeah. Yay. So our, our homie works for, and I'll call him out. His name is Nolan, and he works for Marley's. Marley's. And he says, he calls me and says, we're oh, having wow. an eating contest. He says, six sliders, whoever can finish it first gets 100 bucks. I'm like, dope. Let me ring up the homies. And I call them, and we're all roommates. We're all in the same room. I'm like calling them. <laughs> he's calling them while You're he's all, sitting there. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. Uh, we enter a Zoom meeting, and I say, let's do this. And we went. And Sean finishes first. Were you guys the only one there, pretty much? No, no there, there was, was like, like two others. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There was at least eight people at the table. So it was like our first 3 a.m. live show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. I think yeah. I have a video of that, dude. Yeah. Sean won, and they give him the envelope. <laughs> I open the envelope, and it's a $100 gift card to Marley's, which I had never previously been to because I, I don't eat at Marley's. That's so dirty. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, Sean, one last thing that I have. Impressive, his drive for his passions. Sean loves fitness, the outdoors, and traveling and he consistently does all three. I think there's a lot of people in life who talk about the things they want to do, and Sean does not do that. Sean does the things he wants to do. In fact, it infuriates Sean <laughs> when people literally just talk about the things they want to do. You never really hear Sean talking about things he wants to do because he's too busy doing them. Oh, like I'm, not, I'm not even exaggerating. He's bitch like, ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> No, it's impressive. It's it's super, super impressive and something I admire. And, dude, I love talking about him doing things. Whoa. <laughs> Guys, I'm starting to blush over here. I don't know if I can take this anymore. Let's just skip. All right, right that's enough. Talk, talk about me. Talk about me. Let's just skip DJ and me and go on. <laughs> okay, DJ. DJ has a lot of, um, you know, a lot of strengths. Um, <laughs> what, what do you say in... Uh, <laughs> In uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, he's like, I have particular... I don't know. I, do I don't know either. I'm you <laughs> he I says, have particular set of strengths. That's oh, definitely of not Fifty Shades of Grey. 
Dude, we're incoherent. Okay, uh, DJ. I mean, the first thing you think about DJ is a creative powerhouse. Yeah. And one, the one, one of the things that I most envy is your ability to like, take a complex process or event and you articulate. You're an orator, dude. Um, like you have the gift of gab. So anytime we need copyright for our brand, we like go to DJ. I know how to write papers. You, yeah, you can. You you express thoughts very well and very yeah. articulately. And you like, yeah, your perspective is well rounded, in my opinion. Yeah. Sorry if that was terrible. Uh, like I'm, I'm not the orator. He's so. not the. Do <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you want to ask how, DJ how what I he would say, say that? Say that? Yeah. <laughs> um, dude, DJ's like super musically gifted as well. Like, and maybe the, I don't want to undersell him, but I know next to nothing. I feel like whatever it is, he can pick up a guitar and he can play it. Mm. He, he he can produce music. I think he's even produced a couple songs. Might what? have to drop those or something. What? <laughs> I mean, he made our intro banger, so. Ooh, and our question time and our role. All trash. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I super appreciate that because I love music, but I wouldn't say I'm gifted at that. And I appreciate that. I think it's an awesome talent. Like, you know how they always ask you that question of if you could speak every language or play any instrument? I'd probably go instrument because hmm. I don't really talk to a whole lot of people anyway. <laughs> that was my exact argument. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to talk to every person. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'd have like 400 useless languages in my, in my head. <laughs> so I'd never talk to those people. Um, DJ is a man of many talents. Like super well rounded, but I also think he is a specialist. So like when he in his fields that he excels, he excels tremendously. Do you know what I mean? Like anytime I have a technical question, I probably ask DJ about it. Or I know his ability to research it is far beyond mine. I don't know. He's our Reddit ex uh, I was specialist. Gonna say, he knows all that Reddit, dude. <laughs> Graduated uh with a bachelor's in uh Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your Google foo is strong. My Google foo and a is minor very in strong. Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. What would you think your strengths are? And that sucks to like talk about yourself, but I don't care. You're doing it. Your ability to connect is good. Like you're friends with all types of people and you have strong friendships with them. So you connect on a pretty deep level with people. I think uh, maybe, I don't know, empathy. I like like feeling what other people feel. Hmm. I think that what feels, that's what feels the connection. So, like, they can feel that authenticity from you. Like, it I comes try. across. Yeah. At the same time, I just said it two minutes ago. I hate people. Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to talk to people. But Yeah, but people, the people love you, dude. But let's be honest. Like, out of our group of friends, we all have, like, three friends, and that's each other. And then you have, like, other groups of friends. That's true. I mean? You have so many friends, dude. Like, everyone does love you. Like, I don't know anyone that's like, nah, DJ sucks, bro. Except for like me or Charles. <laughs> yeah, except your <laughs> closest friends. <laughs> all my strengths come from all the people around me who have helped. See, that's why you got so many wow. friends. Humility is another one of your <laughs> strengths. <laughs> well, Charles, let's move on. I'm uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I couldn't take it, bro. <laughs> uh, this is Okay, just so you know, this is one of my least favorite things. And for a long time, anytime someone would compliment me, I would tell them eight reasons why they're wrong. <laughs> so now like, it's 18 reasons why they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
13 so, reasons why. But I've practiced on just saying thank you. Like, I appreciate that rather than being like, that no. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> so there's one of my strengths. <laughs> Practice. <laughs> I think that one of Charles' biggest strengths is his ability to put his head down and do what he's working on until it's done. Because, dude, and maybe I have ADHD or something, but I can't sit down for more than an hour and work on a project. And Charles could sit there all day, all night, until he got what he needed done, hmm. which I really appreciate. That's that's a skill that is very rare, I think. Yeah, Charles has great work ethic. Yeah. Can I tell you why you're wrong? <laughs> 13 reasons only. I, 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 uh, <laughs> that's one of my strengths, too. Uh <laughs> My style, I always said, is sprinting, crawling. So, like, when I'm working, I'm working. I'm sprinting. But then the other... I, I do that so that I can take long time off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, no. But, like, people don't normally think that way. Uh-huh. Like, if everyone thought that way, everyone would be more productive. Hmm. You know? Instead yeah. of just crawl, crawling? Yeah, crawl, crawl. Um, <laughs> Charles, if you're an old friend of Charles... I don't really consider myself an old friend. I but feel you are. Just barely. Mm-hmm. Like we're just passing the threshold of <laughs> old friend. But if you've known Charles for a long time, you know that he is good at art, audio, and visual. Mm-hmm. So he's, ah, I don't want to say it. A triple threat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, uh, I was going to say something about graffiti. Go for it. Charles's graffiti is dope. It's true. I've seen it. I've seen it a couple times, hmm. but he's scared to show it because it's illegal. Uh, <laughs> Charles's, uh, and these are more, I, I guess, kind of base level things that are impressive, hmm. but I think are really cool and unique to to him. But uh, if we're talking about more substantive things that are really impressive, one of the first times I hung out with Charles. It was a group of people that came over to the apartment and we were watching a movie. And for each person, he got a blanket and was tucking people in, getting <laughs> glasses of water and snacks, making sure people were comfortable and being taken care of. Yeah. So that's something I've admired about Charles is he takes care of people in a circle and is open to making others feel welcome even if they're not in our circle. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thanks, Kings. <laughs> We three. Hey. <laughs> uh, we good? Are we done? Can we be done with this? No, Jordan's all right. Okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll stop taking jazz. Jordan, I love you. <laughs> no. Would you rather play any instrument, be fluent in every language, or speak to any animal? Instrument for me. I'd probably do animal. I'd do instrument or animal. Like speak to or any animal? Maybe language too. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speak to any animal, yeah. Okay, why would you do instrument? Because uh, I actually I, I find a lot of joy in music, and am not as gifted as I would like to be. Also, I could use that skill for making money, dude. <laughs> Just become hella famous, be my guy. Uh, What's the quickest way to make the most money from that skill, <laughs> or the most creative use for that skill? The creative use, mm-hmm. probably writing and. Producing music for yeah lots of different artists. That's true. Know. You could go on like America's Got Talent. 
and play like ten instruments at once when you're wearing it on that like the the suit with the harmonica and the drums in the back and like the cymbals on your knees. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you're headed for the golden buzzer, dude. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. The animal though is the most unique. Yeah. Yeah, and there's like an element it's of not possible. No one would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe because it's um, not in reality. Uh, yeah, you, like I just think like you could have an army of critters, dude. It's like, and if someone pissed you off, you go, you know, talk to a dog and convince it to attack. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, do all the animals to use for your uh, army and you choose a dog? Well, dude, I like, I, I wouldn't choose like a gorilla or tiger because it they would get shot. To you, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Like well, dogs and cats and birds. Remember would, like, Harambe? Insects, dude. dude. Jordan's worst but nightmare. boy, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I would torment Jordan. Yeah. I'd Just like Madagascar hissing cockroaches. Oh. Dive, jump in his mouth oh. yeah. <laughs> when he's sleeping. Scarab beetles. Oh. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool, next. I'd probably turn quickly into a villain <laughs> if I could speak to animals. Yeah. <laughs> We're like Aquaman of land. So like <laughs> land man. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> That'd be terrifying, and I'd rule with might. Um, cool. So. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to roll our 20-sided die to find out who's going to tell the first story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small, When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light. Lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you're needing, if that's something that's missing... Give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am. And you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3am. When you visit Arizona... Time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. I got an 18. Oh. I got a 7. Charlie got a 10. This is going to be me, then Charles, and then Sean. We good? Let's go. Okay. This story, I don't know where it takes place. It's in the States. I don't know specifically where. And we're going to call this person Aaron for now. So Aaron and his partner buys a house. It's an old house, a little bit of a fixer-upper. It was built in the mid-40s, and there was an extension added sometime in the 80s, I think. Hmm. But... There's a part of the house where it wasn't originally there when it was first built. And this is important because Aaron says that as soon as they moved in, the parts of the house that were newer 
was normal and all the older parts of the house. He says that he's always felt the air was heavier. So living there with his partner, his partner is a sincere skeptic, says that the only weird thing about it for him or for them is the architecture. Like you can physically tell that like parts the of the house is eras. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but other than that, they didn't really feel anything more. But Aaron, starting from pretty early on, would experience just small weird things happening, like doors opening on its own. And he gives it the benefit of the doubt by saying, you know, probably a draft in the house. Hmm. Just weird creaking noises. And he says, you know, it's probably because part of the house is old. <laughs> um, but it starts to escalate the longer that they're there. Uh, one night while sleeping, their nightstand, which is a good ways away from them, has a glass water bottle, and he isn't able to go to sleep. He's busy with work, so he's not getting good sleep for a little while, and it's taking a toll on him. And uh, that combined with some of the weird things they've experienced in the house, he can't go to sleep. His partner's fast asleep, but this water bottle falls on its own. No wind, he's far from the nightstand, and there are things in between him and the nightstand with the water bottle where if he somehow knocked it down, other things would be knocked down as well. So all these things start escalating until one night he falls asleep and he has the weirdest dream. And in his dream, he sees an old, old, old lady. And this lady is hunched over, has long gray hair, and it's really kind of in rags almost. And is she looks disheveled. But the craziest part about this woman is that she was missing an eye. And she was walking in their house with her arms stretched out like this, hunched over. And yeah. in one of her hands was her missing eye. And he can see this woman walking in their house, and sometime in his dream, his perspective switches to where he's at in their bedroom. And he is watching the door from which she was walking towards and watches as a hand passes the doorframe into his view. He can see the hand and then her head and both her hand with the eyeball and her other eye, I guess, <laughs> um, peers in to look at him. So he's watching this old woman peering at him ever so slightly uh, beyond the doorframe of their bedroom. And at that point, he's startled. He wakes up, comes out of his dream. He wakes up. He knocks off the remote control that he had on top of him because they fell asleep watching TV. And the remote control falls on the floor, makes a loud bang. And his partner kind of moves. He starts mumbling. You can tell because he does this frequently, like this is normal, his sleep talking. And enters into the following conversation. And partner starts with, is she here? Aaron says, is who here? Partner says, the woman. What woman? 
the woman from your dream. How did he know I was dreaming about a woman? Is the woman here? At that point, Aaron just rubs his back, grabs a pillow, <laughs> places, on his, places it on his head, lightly on his face. <laughs> no. Um, and his partner continues sleeping, doesn't continue talking um, because of the pillow. No. Um, Aaron is somehow able to go back to sleep. Wakes up in the morning and asks his partner if they remember anything. No recollection of what happened the night before. This happened pretty recently. So Aaron, I think, has more developments on this that I do not have right now. Cliffhanger. Yeah. But um, that's what we have, which is, I, I don't know. Have we had something like that before where I think we might have had something similar where somehow people line up with, like some something in reality lines up with a dream that you had. I told one where two people were sleeping and they both had like the same nightmare. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. And they woke up. They woke each other up. Or... But like one had the nightmare and woke the other one up. And then that one went to sleep, had the same exact nightmare and woke the other one up mm-hmm. with like the same thing that was happening. Yeah. That's creepy. How, do, how, do, how, do, how, do, how does that work? What do you mean? I feel like... I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but if we use that example, first person has a dream, wakes their person up, tells them the dream. Next night, they supposedly have the dream as well. But do you think it just stems from their memory of hearing the dream the first time? Like well, persuasion and stuff like that? The story you told, he didn't tell her exactly what happened in the dream. No. So like she had the same dream that he had That's without right. him giving all the info. And when she explained it, he was like, that's exactly what I saw. I don't know. I have different theories about when you're asleep. One is that when you're going through rapid eye movement or REM, time is like different. Like in your dream, you're having this long dream that feels like hours when really it's taking, it's occurring very quickly. Mm. And that's because I've had entire dreams that revolved around me having to disarm a bomb. And the climax of my dream is the bomb goes off and the loud noise happens and the noise is my alarm. That's right. Okay, now I remember. But my entire dream was constructed to reach that point of something that hadn't happened in the real world yet. So I, like, ever since then, I've wondered how that worked. And at first, I was like, I must be like psychic when I'm sleeping. <laughs> like, but the longer I think about it, I just think... You th- you think you're experiencing a long am- amount of time, but really it's kind of all w- at once. Yeah, yeah. I think I now, I remember now because we talked about maybe whatever wakes you up or whatever happens first in reality, um, kind of like when you come into consciousness. Yeah, like retroactively, like writes hmm. what happened, narrative, leading yeah. up to it. Yeah, whether it was real or not. Bro, I had a dream last night that I was dating J Lo, <laughs> so I hope that I'm psychic. <laughs> Like that would be it's real all nice. leading up to this, Sean. Dude, you I'm woke waiting up. for it. Yeah. Hey, you woke up and you're all by yourself. <laughs> As I sh- shed a single tear. <laughs> that tear was very real. Um, Named it J-Lo. Yeah. There's, yeah, I have no idea. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> That's all I got. Sorry, it's just a short one for tonight. But um, I think we know someone who called the cops because of a draft in their house. <laughs> Do 
Kevin yells, I didn't in the background. No. <laughs> uh, Kevin's house, they've heard weird things, weird noises. And Kevin's sister called the cops because she swore there was someone in the house. And called Kevin, was terrified. And Kevin's like, it's just the draft. <laughs> it's just the wind. Cops came, did a thorough search and said. Fingerprints and everything. Ma'am. Crazy. It's probably just the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but you can never be too safe. Yeah. True. Yeah. Is that you? Yeah, that is me. Dope. Thank you. Uh, actually, it's kind of applicable. You can never be too safe because my story has to deal with these themes. Okay. Um, but first, I'm going to ask, do you guys personally have or know anyone who has habits that are based out of paranoia? Yes. Where are you looking, Sean? Oh, no, no. I was just looking at, at my mom over there. <laughs> Please tell. So the one that is, I think, most uh, applicable is, you know, like those old like water pumps? Like like the old school. Yeah. The, yeah. So we have one of those in our house that's kind of like a antique. Hmm. And my mom sets it in front of our front door on the inside every night just in case someone has to open the front door. She'll hear it. They're going to run into this not-so-heavy antique hmm. water pump. <laughs> and, but then she'll be safe. So, like, yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, dude, that's not, that's not weird. I literally do the same thing, but just a different version. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of habits based out of paranoia, I've realized. Some are probably pretty common, like checking the backseat of your car at night. Like, most of us do that. Check yeah. under your car at night. Dude, when you... When I walk on the sidewalk and I step on a line, I have to step on the next line with my other foot. <laughs> to even it out? <laughs> to even it out. If any of you went through anything? <laughs> nah. Well, that's called OCD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I kind of have stuff like that. I'm pretty ritualistic, I think, in a lot of things where I take, I don't know, like m- almost mindless or meaningless things have meaning to me. So sometimes I, I feel you. Like I need to balance it out. Thank you. I needed that validation. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't do that, but I know you needed that. Uh, My wife, I love. What? I love. (laughs) Is the best person I've ever met, but is a psychopath in that she sleeps with the door wide open. I don't do that. That's like against every fiber of my being. So literally, I can't sleep at night because my mind is just so conscious and aware of someone's going to come in that door and kill me. Like, those are my thoughts. So what I, we've come to an agreement where I open the door this wide. It's too small to, like, walk through. A shaka width? Yeah, a shaka width. (laughs) It's too small of an opening to get through without, like, moving the door. And then I put a jar of coins right behind the door. So if anyone opens it, I will hear it. Yeah. So I relate <laughs> with the water pump. Oh, sorry, I, I have I have a question. Is turning the lights on when you go into a dark room normal, or is that out of paranoia? I never turn the lights on. I literally walk down the stairs in the dark when I like, what? leave to go to work in the morning. Dude, Mallory does that all the time. <laughs> what? And she has walk into her dark apartment at night, and she she lives in the basement. And no, she has no roommates in the basement. All her roommates are on the second floor. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And in the basement, she has a, her, her own bathroom and a, her own living room. And she just walks into... Without she, turning on any lights. Without turning on any lights, walks through <laughs> the living room, dark, and then gets her bedroom, then turns on the light. 
when she needs it. Bro, I don't know about all that. <laughs> yeah. Bro, but like, <laughs> like uh, for the when we first started dating, I know she did that. I would like wait a little bit for her to go down. <laughs> turn on the light. Till the yeah. light came on. <laughs> yeah. Or like just turn the lights on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's an option too. <laughs> Simple uh, solution. Uh. That's funny because uh, the other one I was going to talk about is a lot of the times when I get home, I have to do a sweep. And I know Jordan does it too. But I go through the entire house, closets, everything, just make sure there's no funny business going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> make sure I don't have someone living in my attic or something <laughs> taking my food. But yeah, anything else? Nah. Okay, nah. That's, that's me tonight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so my story comes to us from Don. And this story took place about six years ago in, I think, upstate Dallas, uptown Dallas. Don or Dom? Don. D-A-W-N. Cool. Thanks, Don. Da-da, Don. So she was a young lady who lived alone. She had two small dogs that lived with her, and she had a pretty good setup. She had a nice apartment. It was in a gated community, a couple bedrooms. It was really close to her work, so it was a good situation for her. She would often come home during her lunch break to let the dogs out, go to the bathroom, get some air, get some fresh air, hang out with them for a while, feed them, and then go back to work. And she would do this pretty regularly until one day she started noticing the smell of really strong cologne near her front door. And at first she thought nothing of it. She thought maybe it was a neighbor, but it kept sticking around. Until one day she's getting ready to leave for work And she goes out into the kitchen, and on her purse is a $1 bill, and it's folded vertically. Hot dog style. Hot dog style. Or as uh, the Texans would call it, taco. (laughs) Oh, a burrito. That's burrito, yeah, yeah. And the other way is a taco? Yeah. You fool. That's strange, because they're both (laughs) oblong, but that's fine. Okay, Texas, no. (laughs) But what's weird... And what made her feel weird is she does not use cash at all. And she doesn't really remember the last time she had cash on her. So she took note of that. Um, She didn't have enough time to like really dwell on it. So, you know, she's like late to work. So she just takes off, goes to work. Y'all would be creeped out by a dollar bill on your doorstep? No, no. I'd be stoked. It was in her house. In her house. Oh, in her house. (laughs) On top of her purse, on top of the counter. Burrito style. I'd still be stoked. (laughs) So you can come in and give me money anytime. Just don't take it. Keep in mind, she's a a single female living alone. So about three weeks later, she comes home. She's going to let her dogs out. She unlocks her front door and walks in, and she sees down the hall, both of her dogs are staring at her closed bedroom door. Nope. And both of their tails are wagging excitedly, staring at the door. And she thinks, oh, that's weird. They must want to go and lay on my bed, which is something she doesn't always let her dogs do. She doesn't have enough time, though, so she just runs up to them, grabs them, takes them on a walk. She walks around the block with them, feeds them, lets them do their business, takes them back to the house, locks the door, goes back to work. That night, she gets home, walks into her apartment, her dark apartment, and like a normal person, turns the lights on, (laughs) goes to her bedroom and opens the door to her bedroom And all around her room, she said, is upwards of $21 bills, all folded vertically, placed on various places in her room. At seeing this, she's so terrified, she turns around, grabs her dogs, and just takes off. Good idea. (laughs) 
Uh, she said from that point on, she would not be alone. So either someone had to stay with her at the house or she would stay at a friend's house. And within a month, she had moved. Now, when she finally decided to move, she started taking down all her furniture and paintings. And on the back of every painting was taped $1 bills. Oh. And under seats, kitchen tables, $1 bills. Now, everyone in the comments goes off and asks her a ton of questions. She called the cops immediately. They came. They checked the house. They said, you might have a stalker, but there's not much else we can do. They changed the locks, and that was it. That's like all she could do. Do you have any suspicions on her? Or what do you guys think? Maybe I'll ask that first. Any thoughts? Well, I remember this one time where we were getting April Fool's, and they had printed out pictures of all of our faces and hid them in everything that we owned. And then, like, three years later, I found one of your faces in my passport yeah. when I was using it. <laughs> Just for context, Sean and me and Jordan got into a prank war with a group of girls that went on for like a month and just escalated <laughs> we hardcore. We bombed their house. We bought cans of Febreze and then zip tied them open and kicked their door open and just chucked them in. <laughs> <laughs> we like filled every drawer with glitter. like oh, to their the brim. socks, dude. And then we did Jordan dirty and while he was distracting him, we also did his room. <laughs> uh, they put strings inside of hot dogs and then put them in our ceiling. So we walked in, there's like hundreds of hot dogs from our ceiling, just <laughs> dripping hot dog water on my bed. Dude, oh. that's got to be the most expensive prank. Dude, hot dogs are expensive oh, nowadays. That's my favorite uh, Febreze <laughs> Hot dog water. But what Sean's talking about is true. They, they printed out hundreds of photos of our faces and put them everywhere to the point where like I still randomly will find some up until like a year ago <laughs> yeah. is the last time I found one. <laughs> But yeah, so... Could be a prank. She definitely had a sinister feeling from the whole thing. Okay. And it was something... Like, the cops even asked her had she ever worked or been at a strip club because apparently the folding of a dollar bill led to, to think strip club. And she's like, no, I don't know anyone who has or does frequent them. She wasn't struggling with money, so it wasn't like anyone was trying to do anything nice for her. She didn't, like, know anyone in the area. To get into her house, you would have to have had the like getting through the gate because it was a gated community mm-hmm. and then gotten through a deadbolt lock of her house. So locksmith or someone who has the key. A lot of people in the comments were like, it was probably someone picking your lock. Yeah. And he said, my dad always says locks are only for keeping honest people out or something like that. <laughs> I was like, Oh great. <laughs> <laughs> so my coin of or jar of coins might not be the most effective. She said, if I was like pressed to come up with a theory, it would be like maybe the maintenance man or one of his employees. And people were like, did he ever show weird interest in you? And she's like, no, he was just a nice regular guy who barely ever spoke. But he's the only one I could think of who would have access to like all those things. The creepiest detail is while she was home and those dogs were at the door, he would have had to have been in the room. Yeah. And furthermore... He would have had to have like fostered a relationship enough with these dogs because these dogs, while the cops were there, they were going crazy, barking at every stranger. But they knew this person well enough. They were like happy and excited to see him. So he had been grooming forming, them. Yeah, maybe literally. <laughs> <laughs> that one got Kevin. <laughs> I don't know. Creepy yeah. to me. 
Yeah. Just like the one, like, what does it mean? I would be so perplexed and paranoid. Like, I'd be okay with the money. <laughs> oh, she did say she was not allowed to keep the money. What? The what? cops had to take it for evidence. Well, no. someone probably pocketed that. <laughs> 100%. All $75 <laughs> yeah. at once. Yeah. Everyone was pretty concerned. Like, did you get the money, though? And she said, no. <laughs> they took it. <laughs> mm. All right. A truly sad story. I know, right? Next one. So this next one comes to us from a man called Carter, and this happened to him when he was 13. Dang. He found his first love. <laughs> What's up, Carter? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Well, and he was 13, Carter reckoned himself an amateur adventurer, Ooh, an nice. outdoorsman. I see you, Carter. Uh-huh. I don't know where this takes place, but wherever it is, it's near hills and forest. Okay. And so Carter would regularly on the weekends pack up his survival gear, a little tent, and he'd hike about four miles away from his home up into the hills. And he had this specific clearing that he liked for a while that he would camp in. Mm-hmm. So he goes, packs his stuff, hikes out there one one weekend, sets up his camp. He's hanging out. He said he had his beans. He ate his can of beans and turned in for bed that night. While he's sleeping in his tent, he's awakened suddenly by a noise which is probably like the worst thing when you're camping. And we've talked about this. (laughs) So he's lying in his tent. And at first he just thinks, I mean, it's probably just a critter or an animal because it happens all the time, a raccoon or something, just investigating some smells or something. So he doesn't think too much of it and just goes right back to sleep. In the morning, the sun comes over the hill, hits his tent, starts to warm up his tent and he wakes up and he, you know, hits a deep, big stretch yawns and then unzips his tent and he's about to step out when he sees a parcel at the opening of his tent and he said it was an old piece of cloth wrapped around something with twine tied as a bow and on top of the parcel was a paper and written on the paper was a note (laughs) And the note simply said, welcome, friend. (laughs) So he's looking at it, looks at the back, nothing else, confused. And he picks up the parcel. And the parcel's got some weight to it. And warmth. Dude, it's homemade bread. (laughs) Dude, all your stories have like chaotically nice people. (laughs) Leaving gifts and money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what he thought it was. But he decided to open it right then and there. So he unties the twine and the cloth falls open. And all that's in this old dirty rag is a severed hoof. Ugh. So he drops it, screams, packs all of his stuff up, and he just starts to sprint down his path. He gets about halfway home when the thought occurs to him, no one's going to believe me unless I come back with that hoof. So he stops and he turns around. (laughs) But his better judgment takes a hold. He turns back around and just runs home. Oh, no. (laughs) He said he's never, he does not go camping after that. Sorry, Carter, I don't believe you. (laughs) Carter, that's rude. Somebody gave that to you as a gift. You got to take that. He's just like, clip, clip, clop, clop. (laughs) Plays with it. I don't know, man. 
It'd freak me out. Yeah, I know. I guess both of mine are weird gifts, huh? <laughs> Y'all need to put more thoughts into the gifts you leave and how you leave them. Yeah, yeah just be like <laughs> less creepy about it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's me tonight. Nice, nice. <clears throat> so I got a couple stories for us tonight. This first one comes to us from Arizona. Ooh. I had to find one from Arizona because I knew my family was going to be here and it would be more applicable to them you're terrible dude <laughs> so so sean's family uh sean's sister Haley is co- coming back up here for school am i right in the summer enjoying summer and his beautiful kind family came up here with her to help her move into her new apartment and after helping her move in for the past few days they leave tomorrow back home to Arizona. So Sean's just prepping them <laughs> for their doom. I don't think they particularly love scary stories either. So Sean's like, all right, I have to find one that will truly terrify them. But knowledge is power. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> okay, so this story comes from someone named Mark. And Mark is from Utah. Oh. Now, Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, young men, when they're 19, will serve missions in the LDS church. So Mark, and this is probably about 30 years ago, gets called to serve down in Arizona. And it is partly on an Indian reservation down there. So uh, he ends up going, and he meets up with his uh, assigned companion, whose name is Carl, and they head down to the area that they're assigned to be in, which is in the reservation. Now, before they got there, they're kind of uh, entering this area, and no other missionaries have been there yet. So they uh, had their home, like, situation prepped before they got there, and there was this whole uh, ordeal about whether they were allowed to live in the reservation close to the town or outside of the reservation. And ultimately... They ended up living outside of the reservation on the borderline, but not kind of like cl- close to the town, but still out in the middle further of nowhere. A little further away. Yeah, yeah, so that there were n- no witnesses. So the first night that they are in this house, and it's one of the, uh, just like a trailer that they're living in, and they go to sleep. In the middle of the night, they both wake up to an earthquake. At least that's what it kind of occurs to them as or- initially. This earthquake happening, like the trailers moving back and forth, and in the heat of things, they both kind of run and get under the door, because that's what you're supposed to do, get in the doorway or under a table or something, right? So that's what they do. It lasts for about five minutes, which is a pretty long earthquake, and it occurs to them after this, after the fact that it probably wasn't an earthquake, and it really was only moving back and forth, as if people were pushing the trailer back and forth. Hmm. Now, they don't really think anything of it yet because it's just kind of a thought at this point. So they go back to bed, and then the next day they wake up, and they go out into the town, and they're talking to people. And in the middle of one of the conversations, Carl Carl brings it up and says, did you guys feel that earthquake last night? They instantly just kind of quiet down. And they're like, you need to leave. Whoa. And they just kind of close the door and missionaries have to go elsewhere. So they're kind of freaked out. They're like, this is definitely strange. 
Bro, if a Native American person told me that, <laughs> I would be terrified. <laughs> I believe them all the way. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you it. say. I got to leave. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> so uh, later on that night, they go back to their trailer. They go to bed. Same thing happens. Middle of the night, they wake up to an earthquake. And this time they realize it's the trailer being pushed back and forth. Like they can almost hear the banging up against the trailer as well as is being pushed back and forth. Hmm. Now, neither of them have the nerve to look outside. They just kind of stay in the middle of their trailer in the middle section, the doorway still lasts about five minutes again. Now they wake up the next day, head out into this town. And once again, they bring it up, but this time intentionally to kind of see what's going on. And instantly, once they bring up the earthquake, the townspeople quiet down. They, they're like, we can't talk about this. You need to leave. So more frustrated now than anything, they go to this little convenience store to kind of buy their groceries. And they're talking about it between the two of them. And as they're talking about it, the cashier that's there in the convenience store hears them. And he says, come over here. And they kind of come over like to this cashier and he's like, People don't want to talk about that, but I think what you're dealing with is skinwalkers. Send me home. <laughs> I've served. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> and then he kind of explains to it because the missionaries weren't really into anything like that and didn't know Did what I it know. was. Like, so he's like, who, what are <laughs> like, what skinwalk skinny boys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't so, know an elder skinwalker. <laughs> it's the Yanagushni. <laughs> so he starts explaining to them that the skinwalkers are the uh, basically witch doctors that have sold their soul to the devil for power and can assume the role of animals or the identity of animals and basically prey upon the fear of people. So he explains this to them, and they're both kind of like, yeah, I don't know how much I believe you, but creeped out. So kind of in that, like, hmm, I don't know. Pretty skeptical, but still wary. Yes. So after a long day's work, they end up heading back to the trailer that night. This is just the third night that they've stayed here. Like ever in the town. In the town. Day three. (laughs) Day three. That sucks. They come hard. They go hard in the paint. Yeah. It's funny, too, because it's uh, missionaries when you're assigned to a specific area. You were there for at least six weeks. (laughs) Good luck. They're like, "Uh, can we leave? So they go to bed that night. And they wake up in the middle of the night to the trailer rocking back and forth. Now, Mark this time has had enough and gets the cajones to run to the door and he throws the door open and looks out the front door to yell at whoever it is. And as the door opens, he sees running off three figures, two in the shape of wolves, and one in the shape of a bear. And he's like, they looked definitely very strange, like almost human-like features as well. And as they're running off, they're running towards this little like forested area. And right before they get to the forested area, they stand up on two legs and just start walking away, cackling laughter. He slams the door shut. They call their mission president, who's kind of over all of the missionaries in a specific area, and they ask him, we got to get out of here. (laughs) We can't stay here any longer. 
So the mission president reassigns the both of them. They don't have anyone else moved into the area either. Now, that was it for our friend Carl. But Mark, (laughs) about six months later, was going to be picking up another guy whose name was Jimmy to be his next assigned companion to go and be in another area. So he ends up going to the place where the airport is and where their mission office is, and they pick up the guy that he's going to be with, and their mission president is going to drive them out to their next area because they were on bikes. They start getting everything ready, put in the car, and the mission president says to Jimmy, the new guy, hey, we're going to be driving through an area where we are not going to be able to stop. So if you've got to do your business, do it now. Jimmy insists that he's okay. I'm going to be good. That's like Kevin every time he drives. (laughs) Kevin's like, uh, it will be four hours until we stop. (laughs) So do your business business. now. (laughs) Five hours, apologies. And uh, the mission president once again says, do your business now. Hmm. Jimmy insists again, I'll be fine. So they start driving. About a half hour into it, Jimmy says, I got to go to the bathroom. President's like, sorry, we can't. We cannot stop here. Better just ingest that. Eternally, because we're not stopping. (laughs) (laughs) So Jimmy kind of stops talking about it for a minute. Five, ten minutes later, he brings it up. He's like, I can't hold it. I really have to go. And so the mission president pulls over. And he says, you're going to step outside the car and pee from right there. And if I say we have to go, you get in the car right away. So he's like, okay. He opens the van door. He steps out of the car. Just as he's about to start peeing, he gets yanked back into the car and the door is slammed and the mission president starts peeling out. And he's instantly going about 30 miles an hour, 35, 40. And Mark, at this moment, looks out his side window and notices that there's a figure running alongside the van at 40 miles an hour. And he says it was a wolf-like creature that was running on two legs. So in giant leaps and bounds following the van, he looks over at the speedometer, and they're now at 60, and this creature is still following them. He followed them for about 10 minutes before he went off into the desert. Now they sat in silence for the rest of that drive to their new area, and as they get there... Jimmy's probably like, I don't have to go anymore. (laughs) I already went. Um, Sanka, you dead man. <laughs> Jimmy jumps out of the car and he says, what did I just see? And the president looks back at him and he says, next time I tell you to do your business, do your business. And left it at that. Mark is still alive telling the story around campfires. How, Who did you hear this from? So it was actually from a girl. So Mark is her uh, like family member. She heard it from him. But Dope. anyways, that's pretty terrifying. Heck yeah. Also so rude of that skinwalker. <laughs> yeah. Someone's trying to use the bathroom. <laughs> or sleep. Or sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, guys, how is the camper shaking? How? I <laughs> <laughs> And then as he opened the door, Wingop away. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Wingop away. Stop talking <laughs> immediately. Uh, hmm. 
I know a ton of missionaries who've served on the res or around the res, and there are so many stories about encounters with skinwalkers. Some of them are like an older couple who was driving, looked out their window, and they saw a man running on all fours about 40 miles an hour. And that's like common. From what Leah told us, that's either just kind of a trope that gets passed on among the whites (laughs) outside (laughs) of the Navajo Nation, or it's just a common tactic of the skinwalker. Yeah, and and when Leah was on, she mentioned how they do prey on fear. Mm -hmm. Like they don't even do things to people a lot of the times as much as just try and frighten people. Hmm. And if you are interested on the subject further, please go listen to our 3 p.m. episode, Leah Hardy on Skinwalkers. Yep. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, you failed. Yeah. <laughs> You're seriously doing yourself a disservice because that's one of our best episodes ever. Yeah. Bro, she gives you cheat codes on how to kill Skinwalkers. She really does. <laughs> <laughs> she tells you how to hack the system. So. Yeah. That real quick just reminded me of a story of this guy who's a friend of a friend. And he was driving up a canyon. And I think this is in Utah. And he said, as he was going up the canyon, the the road on was like on the left side and there was a ravine to the right. And there was a field that he could see down into. And down in the field was a blazing fire. And he said he saw three Native American boys dancing around the fire. And he thought, how cliche is that? Like, what's going on, right? Is it going to start raining soon? Or? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, is this a movie? What's happening? And as he's watching them, thinking just it's kind of weird that, like, I don't know, they're doing that. One of the boys jumps into the fire. And he can't see him. And so he, like, is driving, so he still has to look at the road, but he's now, like, wide-eyed staring back at him, and he only sees two boys now. And then one of them jumps in the air, and he sees one boy. And his whole body is electrified with fear. He doesn't know, like, what he's seeing. He's driving. He's terrified. And as he's thinking that, wham, on the side of his car. And he swerves, hits the brakes, and comes to a screeching halt. Flips it and takes off. Drives all the way out of the canyon. Until he feels safe enough to pull over at a gas station. And he pulls over and he gets out of his car and he looks on the passenger side of his car. And there's a huge dent. And in the middle of the dent, it looks like a handprint. And he said, I have no idea what happened or what that was, but it was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life or experienced. Yikes. Mm. Who knows? (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Experience the skinny boys yourself. Cool. Is that you, Sean? Got one more for you. Sock it to me. So for my next story, I'm going to take you all the way across the country to the state of Alabama. Now in... Have you lived there? Have not lived there. You been there? Yeah. How is it? Um, I think of like thick forest, but not necessarily mountainous. It's like hilly, thick forest, cicadas. Got a lot of those down there. Dude, side note. (laughs) Apparently, it's projected that like the largest hatching of cicadas is ever is going to take place in the last like hundred years or something. In 2020. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> so just another sign of the plague, dude. Is there another sign of the apocalypse? Cicadas bringing the apocalypse this time. Also, because you mentioned earthquakes in your last story. I'm sorry. Did you guys hear that there was a ton of small earthquakes around Yellowstone recently? Uh, Yeah. Like again? Yeah, yeah. Super volcano time, bro. Caldera. 
Look it up. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, moving from Wyoming back to Alabama. So in 1882, a factory was built around Birmingham, Alabama. The name of the factory was Sloss Factory, and it's a steel mill. Hmm. Now, what occurred at Sloss Factory has many believe that it's one of the most haunted places in the United States. Many people lost their lives, and a few lucky ones were able to escape alive. Due to what? Well, what happened at Sloss Factory will be up on Patreon for our patrons. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't had a chance, go do that. Check out our Patreon, and you'll have a chance to hear what happened at Sloss Factory. Yep, for $2, $2 donation, you can hear this bonus story and every other bonus story we've ever done. So if you want to support the podcast, you want to listen, visit our Patreon at the 3 a.m. pod. Yep. So the Sloss Factory was popping up around. That's all. That's all me. That's tonight. you, dude. Thank you. All right, we're back, guys. Thank you so much for listening. What do you think? Stand for love. Be good to others. Yeah, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> well, I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wingapa way, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, until next time, do you have anything else? Until next time, uh, trust your gut and watch your back. Uh, bye, love you, be safe. And be careful out there. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. 
I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. 